Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Hi, everyone. Hey. Oh, hey. What it do? Welcome to Mixed Company, everybody. I'm Karina. I'm Simeon. You already know. This is Kai. <laughs> Some people don't know. Most people know. Most people that listen know. If you don't know by now, I'm going to ask somebody that listens, and I'll tell you. Uh, How's everybody doing tonight? Everybody's doing very well. Pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Why do you look like that? What's wrong? I'm just, I don't know. I'm just being weird. (laughs) I'm just being weird. Yeah, beer? I hate the holidays, so. Weird. (laughs) Oh, you and me both. Oof. I'm sorry. It is the most stressful time. You hate the holidays or yes. you hate this holiday? Because this holiday is some bullshit. I have indifferent feelings about it. I love being with people for the holidays, but it's also stressful at the same time. I'm so mad you're like already feeling that already. I feel It's probably because you got to spend money. Hell we yeah. canceled Christmas two years ago, <laughs> so we don't have to buy Christmas gifts anymore. And now I love the holidays. Your family? It's like two Thanksgivings. Your family is? Yeah. We just don't buy gifts. Sorry. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe this is it. Oh no, this is it. I didn't spit in your drink. Oh, okay. I spit in your drink. Well, he was so protective of that beer. <laughs> it was a cider. It's beer. Oh, it's beer. You gotta stay loose. Yeah. No, the holidays are fine. It's the money that's spent that's annoying. You don't like oh being God. around people. So that's different. <laughs> For the rest of us that enjoy the company of our family any other time, the holidays are cool until you got to spend your money. It's I just, feel like you're unhappy until the actual event. Like, yeah. you're unhappy until you knock on the door and then you go, goes, hi, Simeon. And you're like, oh, yeah. No, that's I when he rolls this. his eyes and he tries to figure out a way to roll out. <laughs> <laughs> I had hope for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just really into sleep at this stage of my life. Why can't you sleep at your mother's house? I usually do, but that's not the same. Whatever. Alright, <laughs> right, y'all, let's go into listener comments. I'm so mad that y'all are so depressed and that the holidays are what's bothering you. We're not even anywhere close. It's just the stress of next week. the money. Is that, what like, is next week? Election Day? Do you consider no. that part of the holidays? No. Like, it might November, be a holiday because this might be the last starts, one that made sense. November starts uh, Thanksgiving. November is tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's right. See, I don't even know the calendar. Anyway, what have we got for the listener letter? Um, we have super stress, so we're all in the same boat. Let me read it? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so this is from super stressed, and they're saying, my agency lost one of our big accounts, and they're laying people off. My boss came to our department status meeting and said that we might get affected by the situation. I'm worried that they may take my work and give it to someone else. I know that this may not be the case, but I'm just worried because I can't be employed. I have no idea what's going on, and I'm here at work, super stressed. I'm, I'm think- assuming you meant unemployed. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming you can't be unemployed. can be employed. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. They don't want to be unemployed. They don't want to be unemployed. Sorry. Uh-huh. I have no idea what's going on, and I'm here at work, super stressed. I'm thinking I might need to find a new job soon. When do you recommend starting the job search, or should I wait it out to see what happens? 
now. You should always be on a job search. Whether you accept it or interview is up to you. But, like, the option should always be there. Word. Also, I'd do a, a quick check um, with your higher-ups to see what they know is, go- is going on. So, granted, while they may not necessarily be able to tell you, yeah, such and such, you're on the chopping block, but um, what they will be able to tell you is, like, what the trends are, like, who they're laying off, how many hours are available, what accounts are they spreading people out over. Um, I'd also go and talk to whoever is in charge at, excuse me, HR or your resourcing department. Um, That's a good place to get some insight. Um, But, yeah, you should always be looking. Yeah, I think this is a good time to start, like, getting in touch with your network, Mm -hmm. you know? Even though I hate the holidays, it's a good time to start something. Oh. Start, like, say, happy holidays, or, you know, what are you doing for Thanksgiving, or... Yeah, I'm about to invite y'all over to my house for the, for the holidays, because I don't know how y'all hate it so much. When also, it's free? Also, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely say start looking now. And, like, to Kyle's point, you don't have to accept anything, but um, once November hits, the year is pretty much over. People stop hiring unless there's like a really like um, pressing need for people and hands. Um, so I would definitely say start looking. Yeah. Well, I I know I agree with that. I think that to that point, it's good to start planting the seeds now. Right. Because oh, yeah. all those jobs are gonna open up in January because scopes are ending. And oh, you're talking about scopes. Okay. Yeah. Like because I'm thinking it would only it would only. I guess it depends on on um, what division or what department you work, but I'm thinking, like, I don't necessarily know if the holidays have too much to do with it besides what your start date would be as opposed to who's bringing in new business, like where new business is going, what companies have new accounts, and that would more so determine who has more opportunity than the fiscal year. Yeah, if we're in advertising, like, the well, fiscal year doesn't I'm not talking about the fiscal year. I'm, okay. I'm just talking about once people start going yeah. on vacations. Yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. It's harder yeah. to, like... Get a hold of folk. Yeah. Start planting the seeds, so... Yeah. Yeah, but I also wouldn't panic. I also use this... I mean, I guess it's my last thing. Use this as an opportunity to state the case why they need you. Like, you can't just tighten up and stress out because y'all lost an account. Now is the time to show why, if they let everybody else in the world go, why you're the only person that deserves to be there, especially if you like being there, then go out and start talking about all the great things that you've done for the account. Start talking about all the great things, that all the great performances, all the good times. Start letting, <laughs> start reminding people who you are so that if they don't know, ha-ha, <laughs> ask somebody who listens. Start like, your montage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think oftentimes, like, we panic a lot in these situations when this is also a great opportunity to remind yourself of your own successes and your own wins. Because when they have to start weighing out the options, like, you know, you want to be at the top of the list. So. Hmm. So now it's time for dope shit. Who wants to go for Ooh, it? Karina Curse! <laughs> usually usually, this is actually fantastic because usually Karina doesn't know what to call this. That's fantastic. Yeah, girl. You must be really going through. I'll go first. Okay. okay. Yay. Um, my dope ish for the week is this article that's on the Huffington Post, and it is written by Mark S. Lucky, who is the former manager of journalism at Twitter. 
and the head of media at Reddit. And the article is called How Black People Built Social Media. And it's basically talking about um, how African Americans heavily, I wouldn't even use that, I would just say black people in general, heavily influence everything entertainment to political discourse, to culture and conversations that fuel the internet. And it, talk, it hits on all the platforms that, um, that they were the first, that they were one of the first adopters and they basically it took off. Basically. Yeah, they basically took off because these platforms didn't um, recognize the influence that they had on it. But he starts it with this really great quote, which is now going to be on every one of my bios, which is, God created black people and black people created style. And that quote is by George C. Wolf. But it basically hits on the fact that if these platforms don't acknowledge their black audiences that are basically driving the conversation, how we will basically just bounce and be on to the next platform but it's 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 a really good um really good sh- short and to the point article about how we basically black people have been at the forefront of all of social media since the beginning and we basically keep it moving i wonder why that is i think it's a good point but like i have a theory but i don't want to say it because it's kind of fucked up <laughs> <laughs> But also, also, so, but actually, really, the theory is kind of fact. So when all of these platforms, <laughs> my fucked up theory. Well, 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 I, well. I have, I have a fucked up theory, but the the one that I'm about to say is, is actually just fact. Um, when all of these platforms have taken off, it was like 2005. Mm-hmm. That's that was basically the start of the recession. Right. So well, ain't nobody that was like that. the beginning of yeah, it, it was, before it was, the crash in 08. Right. So. People ain't had no jobs, so they were basically on on the internet all the time, and that became like the thing. Like Ooh. they were on it, they were online. So I mean, like, do most... you think it has anything to? I mean, that's a good point. Yeah. That's actually a, that's a really good point. Like the whole, because I think the recession has a lot to do with like how social media and just a lot, it, everything digital just became so much more. Um, that's what I'm looking for, like, ingrained in our society right. at that time. But I want to know if it has something to do with, like, something, like, almost college kids were the ones that picked it up at that time. Yeah. So I remember, like, Facebook was, like, a before it, people really caught on to it, Facebook was, like, the underground hip thing to do in 2005. And that used to be the way people shared music. Like, young people mm-hmm. shared music. Like, <laughs> if you really want to... Well, no, because, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of record com- labels and a lot of companies have college marketing departments. Because if you ever want to test something, the best way to test it is through the college market. Because they don't necessarily have the spending power to um, that... They, that you become disposable so like they can mm. pick you up and use you whenever if they're going to spend their money on you it's because you're really doing something for them like they're really mm. it's really resonating with them that's one way and they're not loyal yep. so that's another thing so you always know if if you're testing what you have um in a college market there's always a chance they're going to find something that's hot next so the longer you can sustain in a college market the longer that you can uh maybe not guarantee but the longer that you can uh plan for your for your product to keep going so i want to know if it has anything to do with that that's a good point because there's just a whole bunch of young people now like everybody and their mama literally shout out to my mother who's also on all the social medias (laughs) um are on them but 
Yeah, because I read that article too, and a lot of the people that they pointed out, like Jerry, King Batch, they had a following through their own networks, like doing YouTube videos and mm-hmm. things like that. I mean, I remember seeing King Batch because, you know, who went to my school, but like, they already had a following, so Vine was like the next step, mm-hmm. you know, to even expand their following. And I think, to your point, Kai, like, if you can capture the young people, then, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're even, set. Like, that's, because even when we used to get other people. do Homecoming, like, I worked on Homecoming, um, at Howard in 09 and 2010, and that's literally, like, how we gained our following was through Twitter. Like, Twitter was the heartbeat of our marketing and promotions, Mm. and that's before there was best practices for, like, how to tweet or how to get your message across or how to engage users or whatever. Like, that's literally how we got artists to come through. It's literally how we communicated changes in our lineups and, and and our policies to the community, so, yeah, it was it was a good time. To the mid, you were setting the practice to best I like, practice. I'd like, I like to believe so. If nothing else, it makes me fall asleep at night well. So, <laughs> awesome. But you're at the forefront. Yeah, Black Twitter was a thing before Black Twitter was a thing. Yeah, it we, has blown up We now. had this thing called, like, Air Out Howard, which was, like, I don't know, some anonymous person was running an anonymous account and telling all, everybody's business. Mm-mm. It's basically media takeout for, like... <laughs> we had something like that campus. at school, too. And, like, Juicy Campus was a thing. That Do y'all was remember terrible. Juicy Campus? That is literally terrible. Uh, Do you remember Juicy Campus? I remember Juicy Campus. It was everybody's business. Somebody wrote about me on Juicy Campus. Oh. Was it... It wasn't one, one of those smart girl things, Mm-mm. either. Oh, well. Anyway, that was a good one, Tim. Something to think about. We should do a show on that later down the road. It was, it was also advertising related, so. It was. <laughs> Look at you. Mm. All right, Kai, your turn. Sure. So, um, I don't even remember when this is releasing, but recently, um, I had the opportunity to attend an event for um, the Center for Youth Employment. Uh, excuse me, thank you reception, which took place at Gracie Mansion here in New York City. Um, And essentially it is a thank you for, um, I'm not sure if you guys, if anyone that's listening is familiar with the Ladders for Leaders program. Um, However, Ladders for Leaders is basically um, a program which helps, um, helps high school students, and I believe like maybe early college, but it's Mm -hmm. primarily high school students gain internships so that they can um, get job experience and hopefully be placed into um, gainfully employed work situations at some point in their career, whether it's right out of high school or uh, during slash after college. Um, So I went to the thank you reception as I'm looking to um, hopefully partner with them Next summer, because uh, I'm all about I'm all about the kids. I love interns and I, I like internships. Kids. I do, <laughs> I do. I think it's really important for young people to um, gain access to employment situations and not even just situations, but to just to learn skills. Like oftentimes people tell you, you know, you gotta go to school, get good grades to get a good job, and that's not necessarily always the case. Like oftentimes, if if it hasn't happened to you now, it will happen to you down the road. Somebody's gonna tell you, well we need you to have get, gain more experience. And how are you supposed to gain more experience if the only experience you really have is sitting at a desk in front of a computer studying for Physics 101? Chances are, unless you're going to become a physicist, 
you're never going to need to know that again. Don't tell your mom I said it. Actually, no, tell her I said it because it's real. So anyway, <laughs> went to this reception. Um, Mayor de Blasio was speaking. Um, so it was a cool event. But one of the things that I took away literally from the event um, was a best practices manual that the NYC Center for Youth Employment created, which is their employer's best practice play playbook. Um, and it's basically a playbook for integrating young, young talent into your workplace. Um, and I believe that anybody can get their hands on this if they contact the Center for Youth Employment. But essentially, it talks about the reasons why hiring um, young interns um, and young people in general into your organizations is helpful. Um, and obviously, or maybe not so obviously, one of the key pillars, of course, is diversity. Um, New York City is diverse for many reasons, culturally, racially, gender-wise, et cetera. But the idea of integrating a, a younger workforce into your organization, um, they touch on a few great points, um, you know, saying that young people bring energy, creativity, a competitive advantage, diversity, and they are tech-savvy. Um, for me, the competitive advantage is key because at the end of the day, they're the ones based on uh, Simeon's um, dope shit, they're the ones that are gonna be able to latch onto new technologies and new platforms and new ways of communication much more quickly so that you're able to penetrate um, whichever market it is that you are either selling to or trying to engage with your organization. Um, so this handbook has been very handy and I have some ideas, um, just ideas for work, ideas for working with interns and, and just even our general hiring practices at work. Um, so I found this to be quite interesting, quite useful already. There is a huge quote from our first guest, Tasha Gilroy, um, uh, within this uh, booklet. And she well, basically... I, right. I just perked. It's literally like she's got her... It's just a big quote. Like, you real important. You on the fourth page in, in big blue letters and nobody can miss it. But she makes a good point. She says, at first it was challenging to get the full-time staff at the agency to understand the importance of working with high school students or college freshmen because they were used to working with older college students. But when they started to manage the ladders for leaders interns day to day, they were usually blown away by the capabilities of these young people. Um, I think it's unfortunate but quite true that most people underestimate the talents that young people can bring and that graduating um, high school or, or having a high school diploma or a college degree doesn't necessarily make you best fit um, and, and and the smartest for any job. I mean, let's be honest, Mark Zuckerberg stole the idea for Facebook while he was still, what, a freshman in college? And um, old boy from Apple didn't even graduate or go to college. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something if you guys are, if anybody in the New York City area is interested in um, gaining interns for the 2017 summer cycle, definitely check out Ladders for Leaders, or if you're outside of New York City and just interested um, in learning or gaining more information on how to um, fold young people into your organization, definitely check it out. I'll post a link, I guess, when we release this so you guys can follow for more information. Nice. Also, to that point, um, the 4As also has their um, mentorship program that they do with high school students. Um, I was just talking to the dude today, and he has some opportunities coming up. So if you work in communications, uh, and marketing and PR and all that stuff, you should definitely hit them up and see how you, 
how you can get involved. Maybe we can get an intern next summer. I don't know. I'm just talking he's, to my ass, to give me but I'm kind of serious. <laughs> I think, well, I'm looking at his email now. He's giving me one, well, he's trying to give me one for January. Mm, to, okay. Even one. better. Even better. Let's talk about it later. But yeah. Cool. All right. So my dope shit starts from last month. I feel like it's been a while. And uh, Amber and I, Amber from past episode, one of our guests, hosts, we went to an event for the Hudson Union Society, I believe, and it was Taraji P. Henson. Um, they were talking H-U-F-I, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, she was having an interview about her book called Around the Way Girl. It's a memoir. And um, at first, you know, I wasn't going to buy the book. I love Taraji, but, you know, it didn't really, I didn't think it really appealed to me. But after going to the event, what really stuck with me was she is unapologetically herself. And even, I mean, you think it's an act because, you know, you never know what you're going to get. You only see people via the, the TV or movie screen. But she is the same person in talking in real life. And even her voice echoes through the book. So I think it's an amazing book. Um, just to see where she comes came from and the hardships and just the blessings that she's encountered to get her to this moment. She's so humble. And, you know, it's really good to see someone who is, I don't want to say successful because she's she's been pretty successful. I know a lot of people now know her for her role as Cookie Lion, but she's been around for a long time. So to see her just be humble and just be herself is refreshing. I love Taraji. I love Taraji. She's definitely, um, she embodies the true and complete essence of an around the way girl. And I even like the fact that that's the title of the book because I think um, people that are familiar with the term might think of like a hood rat. But I think it's deeper than that and in the best way possible where you know, sometimes you just want to be, sometimes you just want to be true to yourself and like, you, you know, whatever success that comes your way, money, opportunities, whatever, like you still are just the shorty that likes to put her hair in a ponytail and sit out on the stoop or play double dutch with your homies. And that doesn't take away from your education, doesn't take away from your success uh, in your profession, and sometimes you want to pop your gum and, and, and snap your neck. <laughs> like, it is what it is. Yeah, I think it comes from a place where you're proud of who you are, and even with your success, you you don't forget where you came from. Because once you put on Gucci and Versace and Dior on a regular basis, right, if it's you can't all spell it, <laughs> if you can't spell it, none of that matters, you know? To that so, point, yeah. have, you, have you seen the... Uh, Professional Black Girl series on YouTube. No. Yeah, you should check it out. You're always enlightening us about Professional Black Girl, the Amory last episode, and. But I've still been meaning to check out. Cause that's my job to know things. You just. <laughs> <laughs> it is your job to know things. Well, thank you. Now we need. We just need a newsletter at this point. With this is a dope shit newsletter. Actually, that's not a bad idea. So yeah. If you, if <laughs> you, you just have the idea. If you heard, if you've ever heard of um, Yabo Blay who is the professor, uh, producer, slash author. It's, it's her series on YouTube, and it's basically about being a black girl. Is this, <laughs> the one, this isn't the one you shared with the girl uh, from Bed-Stuy, is it? She may be. It could be. Oh, okay. 
Maybe. Anyway, they're sounds like, good. They're, they're, they're like six episodes in, but yeah, you should check it out. It's like really short um, videos about what it means, what all of these women interpret being a black girl as. So. Dope. So. Nice. Well, you got two dope shit. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just out here winning today. Nice. And for the record, <laughs> what? Taraji's also a Virgo. We have so much in common. <laughs> When just I meet her, I feel like she's just gonna like call out my name. I feel like she already knows me. Like that's she probably that's my does. sister. That's my sister in my head. That's my sister. Anyway, yeah. All right. Thanks, Karina. No problem. So you wanna go on today's topic? Let's do it. Yeah. So today's topic is clients demand diversity from agencies. And this has been a hot new trend. <laughs> I don't even want to say it's a hot new trend. Let me it stop. is though. <laughs> It is. But we've noticed um, companies like Verizon, HP, um, was McDonald's one? No? Lies? General Mills. General Mills. They are asking the agencies that they're working with to, um, well, to prove their diversity. Some people, Verizon's doing it in a different light of writing, I think they wrote a letter to the agency and um, I'll read a little bit of excerpt from that. And then HP is actually wanting a scorecard to have metrics that they are improving their diversity department. Sexy. <laughs> Real sexy. I like it. Verizon struck a note with me because I used to be, I used to work on Verizon. They used to be my client. Me too. Oof. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you something. Okay. <laughs> I, I got stories. Well, I got a story. But this letter is really interesting, and the fact that they um, just changed their leadership maybe about two years ago to um, Diego Scotti. And Diego Scotti is now the EVP slash CMO of Verizon. He came from um, J. Crew, which is very interesting. But I'm going to read this letter because it's just it's very interesting. Anyway. It starts off at, at Verizon, we have the assets to change the world. Our purpose-driven culture gives everyone at Verizon a seat at the table to ideate and work together to solve the world's biggest challenges. That's why I'm reaching you out to you today to ask your company to make an important commitment to drastically improve the percentage of women and people of, co of color in leadership roles and continue to support diverse supplier community by awarding subcontracting work to diverse businesses. Mm -hmm. Come on. Okay. And then he goes on to drop some data points, um, noting that 59% of people of color and women uh, make up their workforce, and worldwide women make about 35.7%, and people of color represent 40%. It's really interesting that he makes this a point because um, while I was working on Verizon, that's when the change happened, and mm -hmm. I did see in our work, like people, um, well, my clients, meaning wanting to see more people of color in our pieces, um, wanting to see more women in our pieces, and really, and even one of the sales leads of our marketing team was a woman, or is a woman, I should say. I don't know yet. So what do you guys think? <laughs> do, you, do you think this is a new trend? It's definitely a trend right now, and it's a trend, like, let's not forget when we started off this podcast that sexual harassment in the workplace was the key topic of the year. And I think that had started, I think our, our first show was in May, and that all of that 
nonsense had started happening in like March, mm. I want to say. Um, and that's where the, the, for me, not internally between us, but that's where the industry's eye on diversity started peaking. And here we are, what, eight months later, um, and shit just keeps happening in between that, the election and people literally starting to boycott brands, if not mm-hmm. collectively, definitely personally, people are losing money. People are losing money because they're socially Forget being politically incorrect because people are socially incorrect because mm. they're socially disrespectful. So now, I, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, obviously there's good that's coming from this, but now that money is on the table mm. as something that can be taken away, um, of course we're going to use that as a pillar to gain interest and we're going to use it as a pillar to... to, to basically latch on to people and to let them know, hey, hey, we still care about you. We care about you in this way now. So to me, it looks like a trend. It is what it is. You say a pillar, though. Do you think it's going to stay? Do you think that people, more companies are going to do this to make sure diversity is, like, throughout their work and even at the places they do for business now, with? I think for now. I don't know if I would call it a trend because trends fade. I think it's just, it's, it's basically the clients waking up to the reality. Like, we're, like the article about uh, black people on social media, <clears throat> like people are waking up to the fact of the black dollar. Like this is like, why, why, why you got your... <laughs> I can wait for you to finish speaking. No, My okay. face is always going to yeah. stuff when I got something to say. Keep going. But like, yeah, like it's, I mean, the reports have been out for, for years, but it's not just the clients waking up to the black dollar. It's also recognizing um, the power of black people and people of color on social media when they don't feel like they're represented it, when they don't feel like they're represented it, <clears throat> and when they feel like brands are misrepresenting um, their messages to them. I think the other thing is, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm calling it a trend because of exactly what you just said, because trends fade. And let's not, like, this is, I mean, there's, we can't say it that many times. Like, this is not new. None of right. this is new. This isn't the first time this has been, um, uh, an, um, sorry, an industry trend. This isn't the first time that people were talking about um, racial and gender disparities. It start like they were talking about this in, in advertising and entertainment back in the uh, early 1900s. They brought it up again after the civil rights movement during the 60s and the 70s. They brought it up again in the late in the late 80s and the 90s with the women's gender gap, uh, with the women's pay gap, the gender gap, right? They bring they brought it up again in 2005 and 2006, and then what happened? We lost sight of all of that because what happened? The, the recession hit. Now we have a new topic that we have to pay attention to. So I think for right now, this is very cyclical. I do think it is important for us to to recognize that so that history doesn't repeat and that we embed this in organizations um, and in organizations like day-to-day lifestyle. Like this has to be a part of your culture in order for it not to be a trend and for it to become something that you truly believe in even when your CEO is dead and gone. Because the company has to live forward even without the people within the organization. And that only happens if it becomes part of the culture. So 
So you're saying that, it sounds like you think that like companies should make this a requirement. I think they should make it a requirement, but I think for right now, this is a trend. I don't, I don't really think that there are that many people in uh, C-suite positions or in leadership positions that take this as seriously as the people on the ground like us. But here's, here's, here's the thing. So you, you talk about um, diversity being an issue in, around civil rights. But these, these companies, and I don't want to misspeak because I don't have the data in front of me, but those big major companies that were around back then they had diversity programs in play. So the Xeroxes, mm-hmm. the HPs, they have, high, I don't want to say a lot, but they have high-ranking people of color. Mm-hmm. They have <laughs> one or two here and there. You're absolutely so, so right. Here, here's the thing, and, I, and I'm, I'm just kind of basing this off of people that I've, that I've met in my life and people that I know. I know a lot of people who were making bank and had big titles at big major companies and there it was it was no big deal to them like these conversations that we're having right now they tend to look at them and go like what the hell are you talking about like you go to work you work twice as hard and you get promoted and you're you become a vp and you Mm -hmm. make six figures so i think what we're what we're starting to see is them catching on and putting pressure on their companies to have representation for people of color and diversity and women at the table. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. What we talk about all the time, that's not enough. Like, what do you mean it's not enough? You having one or one or two. No, I'm you know not. What I'm like, I'm not saying that what mm-hmm. is happening is wrong. I think what is happening is great. I also recognize that it, this more than more likely than not, this it may be bleeding. Like, but this can disappear. I, I don't so you think don't think it will be effective or just effective in the now? I, I think for right now, it's not. There are there is not enough. Um, authenticity behind what they're trying to do. So I think it's in response to angry it's in response to uh internal people and 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 um consumers being angry. I don't think this is a hey, you know, we really just need to change the way we work mm-hmm. because we need to cuz we know we need to change the way this is all shit. Everybody's but pissed it's, off it's, what it's we going to do. It's, yeah. it's, it's a collective And that's thought. fine and I recognize that that's what it is though. Right. That is what it is. Okay. So I mean, <laughs> no, but like, I, see, but here's the thing. I, I don't. I'm not saying that there's like people of color like running prey through these companies. I think it's more than one or two people of color at these companies mm-hmm. because they've had these diversity programs for going on 30 years, 30 mm-hmm. plus years. So they have high-ranking people of color. I'm not saying that this is this is because of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that they had a play in that letter that was yes, being put yes, out. okay, and, yes, and all of these companies that are now demanding that the agencies have diversity. Yes, I don't know. For me, it's hard because like I would love to see this be an effective change, but I don't know. I don't know. Like it's up in the air. Like will it last or? I mean, will, I like to have hope. I like to be positive and say that this will last. It 
Even it, though Mike was probably not. It it all, it, it, it all depends on what that report card. It is what they make card, it. Right, because it all depends on what that report card is. Because if you start talking about these big agencies that are, or any agency that's under a holding company, most of them have diversity requirements. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak for all of them, but I know for IPG, because I used to work for IPG, there was a diversity requirement. Like, you were supposed to have yeah. an X amount of people of color and women in, at your agency. But I think a lot of those places were, I don't want to say skewing the numbers, but they were getting around it by having entry-level people that were people of color and just, like, leaving them there to rot at entry-level. Mm, very true. So I think the, the interesting <laughs> thing here is is that they're requiring that these agencies have these people working on their accounts, which is a different um, report card or a different scoring than just having the holding company say that we're requiring you to have diversity at your agency. Because you can have diversity at your agency with the cleaning person and IT and the receptionist, but these people aren't touching accounts. Yeah, and I think the different approaches, like from the Verizon um, ask or letter, it's more of a letter of urgence, like urging people to have people of color and women. But HP wants metrics. They want to see what you're doing. They want to have a scorecard. So what about the agencies that are not required to answer these requests? Like, how do you think they should react? Do, they, do you think they should have it top of mind because their potential client may have it top of mind? Or would they say, well, at least it's not our client? <laughs> I mean, do they, do they care if they didn't care before? Like, mm-hmm. Because if, if you see, and I, I'm somebody who tortures myself by reading the comments. So I read comments on articles about these companies demanding diversity. And one of the the lines of thought that I read was and I'm guessing they're from white people um, <laughs> but you you requiring diversity means that you're sacrificing quality so if these people had that train of thought before right. these letters went out that's not going to change their train of thought because they're looking at it going well you making these demands means that you're just going out there and you're looking for people of color you're not looking for quality workers so if I mean going back to like a couple episodes before like yeah, if you're a racist you're a racist like there's mm-hmm. there's nothing that's going to like a letter isn't going to change that now if they start losing money because they're not able to keep up or create authentic communications uh, marketing because they don't have people of color then they may go out and hire some but will they stay like because the other problem with diversity in the industry isn't that you can't hire them is that you can't retain them. So if you have a culture that doesn't uh, foster diversity and inclusion, then you can go out and you can hire them all you want. Like these people aren't going to stay because if they're not happy, like they have options. And if more companies are or more clients are jumping onto to this trend, then they also have the option of going client side. My concern is that this is all going to turn into a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Really and truly. Um, to see your point, if all you're trying to do is fit a quota, this is also the, the issue with quotas back in the day with schools and, and anything else. If all you're trying to do is fill a quota, then you can't take the time to find the quality. 
you maybe you could, but you definitely can't take the time to retain the quality. That's not your people. top of mind. It's not your top of mind. So once they're in there, they're just in there, and you're looking to fill a pipeline and build a pipeline of, of people so that you can have bodies. What I'd like to see, because I mean I'm hopeful as well. I mean I'm not. I think each of us on this show, in some form or another, works. Um, at work and, and outside of this podcast for diversity and inclusion initiatives. So with, you know, with what I'm working on at my job, it's let's remember, it's not necessarily about, gosh, man, this is going to be so hard to find quality people. It's no, 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 no. You just need to go meet some new people and you need to go meet and like some new people the same way you meet and like people you already have in your network, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's, what's missing. It's the, it's the humanization of all of this. It's the idea that, you're not trying to just expand your network just for the sake of the job. You, as a person, as an individual, as an HR person, as a creative director, as an account director, as whatever director, you need to expand your network so that you make sure that you really are getting the best quality. And if you're just talking to the same three people and asking them if they know, you know, anybody that might want to share their resume, or if you're still only posting to the same three sites and your LinkedIn network only has the same 50 people then of course you're going to get the same kind of candidate. So it's 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 the quality that I want to ensure that that we're paying attention to. It's the idea that it has nothing to do with there not being enough black people, women not wanting the jobs, blah 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 blah. It has everything to do with have you done everything you needed to as a as a person as an individual to make sure that you're doing the best service to your consumers and to your organization by being involved in more circles than just your own. I mean, and it also, and to, to that point, I think it, it requires them being able to identify what quality is. Because right. it's, it's like, and I, and I think I mentioned it a couple episodes ago about um, the recruiter who asked me to like talk to a candidate and the, the reason that she felt like he, or I, or I should talk to him, is because she really liked him, but she mentioned that he was buttoned up. And so, like, when you mm -hmm. when you don't have people in hiring positions or recruiters that are able to, I don't know, I don't know what it's called, but like, like, an unbiased eye to candidates and see past color or see past gender to actually see what they can produce or what um, what they can bring to your company, and then you like it would just it will just be a numbers game because you. You you're basically just looking at filling the requirements. Right. So it's like I need X amount of people of color. I need women. Let me go out and find some. But if you don't know how to use them, then you're not going to get a return on your investment. But the way I see it is, we may have this. I haven't seen much of these letters or calls to action have that that human part of it, mm -hmm. where it's like. Oh, you know, expand across your network, meet mm -hmm. new people. I don't see that. I see Which like. Which is why I think it's a trend because it's not something you're not. It's like going on a diet because you need to fit into a dress, as opposed to I want to change my lifestyle, so I'm gonna start walking ten miles a day. Yeah. Every day, rain, sleet, or snow. So they're not trying to change the corporate lifestyle. You're not trying to change your culture. You're trying to get people to stop complaining about they're not them not having enough. So if all you're hearing is that we're saying we're not having enough and more of 
you as individuals and, and collectively as an organization don't care or like people like me, w women, women, people of color, people with disabilities, veterans, etc., we're calling out your culture and your lifestyle. We're not calling out your numbers. We don't care about your numbers. We just want the seat at the table, so to speak. Yeah, and I think even, like, that's what kind of, I don't know, got me a little, like, taken aback when I saw HP. They were like, they view this as a competitive advantage. They think that this is going to drive new business, fuel innovation, and hire new employees, which it will do, mm -hmm. but will it retain employees? Will it, like, how would you drive innovation just to have more brown people? How, how are you saying that it will drive innovation? Like, what are you putting in place? I mean, but you also have to remember, this, this, is, this is a corporation, and this letter, it's PR. Right. It's press. Exactly. This, 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 is, this is also, like, the president like addressing a controversial situation like mm -hmm. he never really he never really goes hard yeah like he plays the fence <laughs> because you have to be politically correct like this is this is a press move for them so while there may be good intentions behind it and they could have like human nature behind it but at the end of the day they, this is it's a press release like it's it's a really smart press release because they didn't release this to the public. Like, this was leaked to the public by people at these agencies. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's it worked. Like, we're, we're sitting here and we're we're talking about it. Um, but, like, I think that this is something that like, we, we should keep in mind. Like, this is it's press for them. Like, yeah. as people start having this conversation and all the trade magazines start talking about it, they will be talked about as somebody who's cutting edge or or ahead of the diversity trend or, trend or whatever it is but like it's press for them like so and then, you, you can't expect too much from you could if this was more than a trend because it's not a trend we're able to say oh well they're just business who's, the, who, who, who's done it like well, when I work exactly on... that's my point like that's what I'm no saying. one's like, done it no one's it's all pr right now right now this is you know, this is just some. This is just another layer to the conversation. There's no action. I think with the, when it's public, this, the PR part is making it public. Okay, PR. I know. But when I was working on Emblem Health and on that pitch team, the the uh, new business team was really like, we need to get diverse faces on here because word goes around that there's a diverse corporate lifestyle there. And if they see a homogenous, <laughs> monochromatic um, like piece, it doesn't represent their company. It wasn't a PR. It was just something that someone noticed or overheard that was going on through these client conversations. So, I mean, and to, to that point, um, the story that I heard earlier. One, when I worked at Verizon, that has been the only time I've ever sat across the table from a client that was not white. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> like, that's one. Um, and on another project that I worked on for Verizon, I, and this is, this is pretty much over a year ago, um, I clearly remember the client, and it was a different client, white guy, who looked at the deck and said, why there's so many white people in there? Mm -hmm. We need people of color. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
for so and that's why I'm kind of looking at looking at it a little differently because I feel like there has been a conversation that's been happening mm-hmm. over there for him to walk into the room like oh I like your idea but why is it so white? Mm-hmm. I agree. I I, I guess. I don't agree that it's that there's not. I don't agree. I I don't disagree that there's progress. I don't disagree that conversations are have been had. I think I said on the last episode I was in a client meeting, or maybe I said it to someone. I was in a client meeting, and the client brought up that there were too many white men on her creative, and I had to stay in bed like, damn, why didn't mm-hmm. why didn't I say something? You know, why didn't I even think to say something? You know, mm-hmm. I don't deny that those things are happening. It's the longevity of it. It's the real change. It's it's like I said. It's the difference between, um, it's the difference between writing an amendment that African Americans and women have the right to vote and actually giving them the right to vote. Just because it's written doesn't mean it's real. It needs to be practiced for it to become something of substance. For us to even not have the conversation because it's already happening. It's like it's like us having conversations about um oh well everybody oh shoot I guess everybody deserves water isn't a good one if you've turned on the news lately but everybody needs to drink water to survive as opposed to like it's not a conversation because we know that. Yeah. Like, there's certain thing everybody needs to breathe. It's not a conversation because we know that. But everybody should have the opportunity to pursue and obtain uh, work and careers that are that allow them to thrive in their creativity and and their skill set like those are quite this is a conversation that we have because we don't people don't really believe it so I don't want the conversation to stop so every time I have this conversation about oh my god look at all the great things that are happening I'm going to shut that shit down because yes this is great but it's not great like this is actually not the great part the great part isn't that they're having this conversation or that they're sending out press releases or that now all of a sudden people are going to make sure like oh shit we can't go into the pitch without at least one black girl a hispanic and a gay like you can't do that Mm -hmm. you know because that's not how you talk about it that's disrespectful to people this is our team we have we have a diverse team because we naturally like to work with diverse people when you start speaking about people based on their traits That's what makes it disrespectful, and that's what makes this just a trend to me. So how will brands correctly enforce this requirement? What is the optimal way to... When brands start getting to... When brands and and agencies start getting to the human part of it, like the cultural piece of it, the the same way you want to hire the best talent, we also want to hire the most diversely diversely and best talent pool. You know, like... When you start caring about, when you start caring about people's families, and you start caring about who your your talent pool is beyond just the skills that they provide, and why there's nuance in that, and why that can not only drive uh, revenue for you, but it can also drive people's emotions. Like people, like there was a time when people stayed at companies for like. 10, 20, 30 years, yo. They were loyalty. They were, there was loyalty. <laughs> but the reality is you can only be as loyal to an agent, a, a, an organization as they are to you. Mm. So if, you'll get, if you're willing to get rid of me and not work with me just because for anything, then I'm also willing to quit and go elsewhere because of anything, you know what I'm saying? So I think there, there's that relationship piece of it. It's a relationship more 
so than just a business transaction. And I think that will help make the conversation about diversity more substantial and something that's more concrete and less fleeting. So you're saying that these companies should have relationships with the people that they Absolutely. Work Absolutely. You're know, working with these people, you're giving money to them. Yeah, they, I think teachers what use What kind of relationships are you talking about? Business relationships. I think personal, <laughs> personal relationships. I think you should. I think somebody needs to know you as a person. Somebody has to be invested in you as a person, beyond you just invest investing in me because I'm able to turn around a report, or I'm able to do discrepancies, or I'm able to write a pitch deck, or I'm able to use InDesign. Like you have to be invested in in your your. Are we a factory that just freaking makes I don't know, cars and cups every day? Are we machines or are I mean, we like people? Like your boss. Like my boss? I mean, well, yes. Yeah, like your, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I also feel like you, like you. But I do, <laughs> yes, I am different. Into, yeah. I entered into something, and the, the difference between where my, my situation now and my and situations that I've experienced in the past and, it, and that I hear from people that still experience it is the humanity of it. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in me, where my heart and my soul lies, and I'm comfortable sharing that with you because you also share yours with me, I'm probably more willing to stay, to, excuse me, to volunteer, to stay to finish a project till midnight because we're working from the same set of understanding of who I am. The motivation becomes more emotional than... Up, oh, it's the 15th, time to get paid. Up, oh, it's the 30th and the 31st, time to get paid. Anything after or above that, I'm not here for it. So I think that changes it. But since a lot of people, and we talked, like, we, we read, we've read about it in multiple multiple studies. Like, when the, the idea that mothers weren't aren't able to spend a lot of time with their children after they've given birth. It's because you don't even care that this woman's body and psychological stress has completely taken over her life. You want her to hurry up and get back to work so she can produce for you. That's not you caring about a person. That's you caring about your equipment. Mm. Mm. It's just really funny because, like, the best advertising campaigns, the best advertising work appeal to human mm-hmm. emotions. It's that human truth. Yeah. That's the, that's but we the, can't p- look each other. That is the core humans. of any good brief. What is the human truth? It's the difference between just selling a car and selling a lifestyle. It's the mm-hmm. difference between just selling a lifestyle and selling a heart. People will buy emotion. Right. You know, some people also use that sentiment to say, well, we're talking about, like, this, this is why you don't technically need diversity because if you're talking, if you're referring to the human truth, mm-hmm. then... A white dude can have can create the same human sh- truth that black people. But he can't because he doesn't get the nuances. We just talked about, about TV. Like. He can't because he doesn't know. But that's what, what I'm saying. Like. I'm, I'm, I'm telling difference. you the argument. I, I get. I know. I, yes, you're right. I know you don't believe that. <laughs> but the person, the people that say that bullshit, they're clearly not even good at the, what we do in this industry because the whole idea of the human truth is being able to. Um, get those nuances right. you know i think i'm trying to i'm trying to think if i can remember this correct one of the campaigns that we've been working on at my agency uh deals with moms 
um, and trying to and trying to get to like the human truth of what do all moms have in common, despite you know their economic situation, despite you know their geographic location, their racial background, ethnic backgrounds, whatever, is the fact that no mom, no matter how great they think they are or how, or how bad they think they are, no mom wants to be judged by anybody else. They're mm-hmm. all just doing the best that they can. And that's something that most of us, unless we've had children, which none of it, none of us at this table have had, would have been able to get there without having, without speaking to moms, without being a mom. And even mm-hmm. when you're having conversations in a focus group, there are certain things that you may not let yourself, like, uh, give to people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's a certain, like, there's a certain emotional barrier that you may not necessarily let yourself go through to connect. But there was a whole bunch of moms that worked on this this campaign. You were happy that and that's how room. and that's how the, and and as a non mom I'm like, damn, that makes sense. Like I I look back at my mom and my aunts and them like growing up, I'm like, you know what, I I'm pretty sure that was probably the hardest thing. Because all types of moms have older moms have a lot to say to younger moms and all that. You know, nobody wants and we to would never know don't that. tell me how to do this or I don't need you to tell me how to do this because it's hard enough. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, it's all about nuances. So they're wrong. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. That's a lie. Didn't happen. I didn't say they were right. <laughs> so just, even though... I'm just here to play devil's advocate. So even though companies... The devil is a lie. <laughs> So even though companies are instituting scorecards, they're writing letters, they're making requirements, you know, to to evaluate the workforce of the companies or agencies they work with, how do you think they're going to monitor this? And do you think if they monitor it and they find that, you know, the numbers have gone down and have improved, do you think they'll take their business away? Or do you think it'll get like a slap in the hand and a chance for them to progress? Um, I don't... I think these agencies are going to do what they're told. Of course. <laughs> it's, it's like advertising, communications, marketing, whatever you want to call it. It's it's a service industry. Like, we don't have clients. We don't have business. So, and no one gets paid. So, I, I think they will um, do what they're told because that's just what agencies do. They, they do what they're told. Um, will it be authentic? Probably not. Um, <laughs> but not they, they will do what they're told. What? They will do what they're told. Mm-hmm. And do you think that other agencies would should anticipate this request? This, like, I don't know. I don't want to say diversity. Yeah, diversity request? Or do you think these are just, like, it's going to be the minority, sorry, not the majority, asking these requirements? I mean, I, th- I think it, it's it's also going to depend on who these clients are. So, like, while, like we said, it's it's PR and it may not be authentic, it could be authentic, the communications game is changing, period. Like, these clients are demanding to see results that they haven't seen before because the landscape has changed dramatically. Like, we're fighting against algorithms and, that are not letting our messages reach people the way that they used to reach people. Mm-hmm. We're not getting the same sort of results that we, that we were getting two years ago because people's attention spans have changed. So I think it's it's all going to, to depend on 
decline into my dope ish for the for the day. When you start talking about people of color driving conversations, social media is one of our biggest uh, is one of our biggest forms of is one of our biggest mediums. Mm-hmm. So if people of color aren't driving the conversation around these brands, chances are they're not going to get the results that they want. Because when you're talking about, especially with general market campaigns, you're talking about speaking to everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting the results that you are anticipating, then you probably will start demanding to, to know why you're not getting those results. And like the biggest form of flattery is copycats. So you will start looking at your competition and seeing what they're doing differently. So if you see that your competition is using um, a diverse team to get better results and they're beating you, chances are you're probably going to follow suit. Yeah. um, Yes. (laughs) I... I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to formulate my words because I just have so many thoughts about it. Like the idea, so it's very segmented, right? Like the idea of people of color is very different because if we speak about African American or essentially Black American, so people that are that identify as African American <laughs> at least in the United States, um, their buying power and how that's gone since, I guess, the the inception of this idea, not idea, it's fact that the Latin American population is growing very rapidly in the United States. African, The African American buying power, which is very steep, has been relatively ignored by most of these brands. Right. But, the, but other people of color... Other pe- people of color that identify not as African American, they're or specific to Latin Americans, their dollar has been considered more important and more dominant. So what has happened to how you know? So the idea of hiring black people or or coveting black agencies may not necessarily or has not necessarily translated to um, something that's positive. Like people, they're not doing it. Like they don't care. Like just to be real, like nobody cared <laughs> about racial disparities in in um, advertising for a while now. Um, but yes, we do hear a lot about the Latin vote. We hear a lot about Latin American um, agencies, and there's a lot of bilingual uh, commercials that I've seen on TV lately. So yes, to the to that point, Simeon, like. If you're, if you're garnering attention, they're gonna pay. They're gonna pay attention. But I guess that for me, that only have that only works some of the time. But you raise a good point because there's like there's Univision, there's all these things that cater just to Latino Hispanic people. And do you think that as Black people, if we if we can t- well created more of our own outlets because there are outlets already made that we would be paid more attention to and people understand and actually pay attention our buying our buying power because I feel like mm, I, the, I feel like the Latin market they took a hold of it when they weren't being paid attention they made their own but yes and black people have done that I don't even know if they made their own like I remember 
Man, it must have been when I either right before I graduated college or or when I started working in the industry. Like there are all these reports coming out about how like oh we gotta pay you know and, and let me when they say Lat- Latinos they're definitely not talking about me. They're mm-hmm. they're talking about Spanish speaking. Latinos, so not even necessarily solely English-speaking Latinos. They're speaking about <laughs> these immigrants that everybody all of a sudden wants to kick out of the goddamn country, you know? And like, there was a lot of hype around how like you gotta hurry up and get their money now. You gotta basically to garner authenticity. Mm-hmm. Let's start. Let's start uh, targeting them now, so that when they do boom. We're in the boom and we're getting all that money. Meanwhile, there's like a two trillion dollars of buying power in African American or, or Black American um, spending power that was completely ignored. And the and what people were saying is, well, we don't really have to worry about them. Let's just worry about. We can only worry about one at a time. And that also kind of started making people change their um, marketing strategies to the to the blah blah blah. Why can't I think of the word? You just said it. I just said it? Yes. <laughs> general market oh, strategy. General yeah, to the uh-huh. general market marketing uh, strategies. So, and it's not that we have, it's not like black America hasn't been they have. speaking. It's yeah. not like we haven't been fighting. It's not that we haven't been garnering attention. It's just, well, we'd rather invest our dollars elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. Why the conversation has been largely about women um, in the workplace and not about African Americans or Black Americans in the workplace. It's why when you see a lot of diversity numbers, the African American or Black numbers are still low, but there's a larger Latino rate generally um, at places. There's a larger uh, Asian rate at organizations, you know, um, and and they just group. Asian all together, so yeah. you're not even, you don't even really know, like, which what piece of the is. pie you're coming from, the same <laughs> when, you, when you speak about people of color, you don't know which piece of the pie you're coming from, so, I, I guess, I just don't know if speaking about it, or, or, or championing for it is, is all we need to do. So, uh, I think one thing that um, we should mention, but we don't have the facts on, because kind of an urban legend because it was before all of us started working in advertising was when they first um, when Al Sharpton first tried to sue Madison Avenue for having a lack of diversity and there was an influx of black people that were hired at all these agencies and have mysteriously disappeared over the years because and I think Makes sounds like kidnapped. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, because it's it's kind of an urban myth. Urban myth, like we like we've heard about it. We've heard about them. We've just but never seen them. We've never seen them, um, and we've tried to hunt down the numbers, and we've been unsuccessful with hunting down the numbers because this stuff is usually hidden. And even with the diversity numbers now, like no one's really releasing their numbers. Um, to the public. So I think the interesting thing about this is that we may actually get to see the numbers at these agencies that are lacking diversity. Mm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> have to at this point if you want the business. I mean, it's a selling point. If you have a diverse I'll say this. Team. I know for a fact, I know for a fact that there are some HR departments at these 
not even some, at the HR departments at the, at the uh, big boy firms, we can call them, big, big boy agencies, the old school agencies, they are running around pulling their hair out trying to figure out how to make up some numbers right now because they don't have the numbers. Um, but again, what that's, but yes, so to your point, yes, however, all that's going to do again is turn this into a numbers game. So to me, to go back to the original question, how do they make this work? How do they make this real? It goes beyond the numbers. The numbers is to please the outside. You want to keep these people here and, and, and not have to spend money on rehiring um, several, several hundred people every few months, then maybe you should try being a person for once. I don't know. And so it's a funny story. Well, yeah, it's a funny story. Um, and I don't have the facts in front of me because someone sent me an email, but there was a black woman who, well, there is a black woman who's working at one of these agencies that received the letter, they received a letter from one of these companies. And um, for like weeks, she was like under allocated. And then once that letter went out, they, <laughs> moved, they, they moved her <laughs> to um, one of the said clients that were that sent out the letter. But the funny thing was, hold on, damn, I'm trying to find this email because she's kind of a savage and... A <laughs> savage. She, she's oh. kind of a savage. <laughs> you call her a savage. I was like, what? <laughs> That's rude. Oh, savage. Okay. Sorry, because I'm like, for the email. But um, she sent an email to her boss and said, are you moving me to this client because you want to up your numbers for the report card? I mean, and great for her to call it the hell out, as she should. I'm trying to see if he responded. <laughs> I mean, she, she does stuff like that all the time. She's coming. I mean, yeah. I, so, what was that? What was I reading recently? I read something recently speaking about Tanasi Coates' um, His book, book. And essentially, the Between the World and Me, which I did read. Um, but it was talking about how a lot of people were angry about how it didn't end on a positive note. That he oh. seemed very. Um, is this a spoiler alert? Kind of. I mean, you know, because you live in 2016. It's still unfolding. Quite frankly, no. <laughs> it's been on a news all day. Um, but about how he just doesn't seem hopeful, and that basically was like, look, it is. This is just what it is, and this mm-hmm. stuff is going to continue to happen right now. And as I'm reading, why don't I remember where I read that and why this came up in conversation? I don't know. Well, why, but, but while I was reading it, I'm like, yo, that's actually also how I feel about what's going on as well. I don't necessarily feel the need to be... Um, I think I can be hopeful without being blindly optimistic. I... I recognize where we are, I recognize where we've been. I then came back from the National African American uh, Museum. Speak of on this, because not everybody can get a ticket. <laughs> everything is so cyclical that I'm like, we've been here before, we've done this before, and I'm a person of patterns, you know? So like, I'm not gonna sit here and get excited because General Mills and Verizon and HP wanna talk about numbers. Y'all only ever wanna talk about numbers. Anytime, uh, an organization comes through and they start talking about diversity, they're not speaking about the heart of it. I think offering solutions is best. And I think uh, Simeon shared uh, an article 
from LinkedIn uh, in the group chat, and it was also shared within um, a group chat at work about uh, with a young woman who basically said, hey, if you're worried about there not being enough people of color, or excuse me, black people specifically, which she does call out, in your agencies, um, and that there's not enough black creatives, maybe you should open a portfolio school with an HBCU. That's the kind of stuff. When I start seeing more action plans, when I start seeing more people talking about how they're going to solve their piece of the pie, what they're going to do to make their changes, and stop telling other people they need to make their changes, then I'll be more hopeful. But right now, I'm just seeing a whole bunch of people acknowledging, yeah, you're right, we sure don't have a whole bunch of people of color and women here. Anyway, can you pass me the ice cream? Because <laughs> so, two, two things. One... This goes back to something that you said before because you are not talking about diversity right now. You are talking about inclusion. Oh. Right. <laughs> I feel that diversity is, so the diversity is the conversation and inclusion is the action. And that's, that's diversity the, yes. is the numbers also. Well, so yeah, that's the right. conversation. We're only, that's, that's, the, that's the problem. Diversity is the problem. Inclusion is the solution. So, and, here, and so here's the other thing about that article. And it's, it's right, yes, you, sh- you should be talking about creating pipelines for the next wave of talent that enters into the industry. But those people are two, three, four years out from getting into the industry. We're talking about the people now. And I think one of the things that, that um, while yes, I think we should be doing stuff like that, creating pipelines, it completely ignores everyone who's actually already graduated. Mm-hmm. Because... When you start talking about, and, and this is something that, that I've seen throughout this industry because I like to ask white people how they got into this business because it's so difficult for people of color to get in. And when, and I would actually suggest that all of you start doing this because it's a really good exercise. Because <laughs> when you start comparing your experience to their experiences, you will start hearing tons of dumb shit. And not just dumb shit, but it's 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 basically the it it's perplexing. It's perplexing, yes. Yeah, that's thank you, thank you for that word. Because when you start listening to the conversations that revolve around people of color getting into advertising and what you need to do to get into advertising and how you need to be so passionate and basically like devote your whole entire life and sell your soul to Fifth Avenue or Madison Avenue, whatever the hell it's called, um, to get in and you start talking. The craziest thing ever was I was interviewing at um, an agency and they put me in a room. They had this dude come in and interview me or whatever. And so like I asked him the question, I was like, hey, so all right, cool, we're having a little chit-chat and you're sitting here interviewing me and I was like, hey, so how'd you get into advertising? Like, where were you, like, where were you before this? And this morpho looked at me and said he was a soccer coach. And I always find it funny that you have a problem with that, but like, I get what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. But it's, it's not just that you were a soccer coach. It's like, he was like, oh, well, like my friend's sister, she worked here and she got me an interview and Hey, here I am. Mm-hmm. So, like all those. Meanwhile, you know, you're jumping coops of fire, right? And like going so, to all these network events, meeting all these people, hoping and praying and wishing. Right. So there's there there needs to and to Kai's point. I, I, now I'm starting to understand why you're so frustrated with this conversation. 
which is Welcome, like, welcome. <laughs> yes, come because, to the side of the table. It, when, once you start talking about the inclusion, then there's there's another layer that needs to be, um, I don't want to say investigated, but but looked at and considered when you start talking about mm-hmm. diversity. Because the, I don't, the, yeah. the thing about that that article that I sent, it's it it's almost victim blaming. And a lot of what happens in, in advertising is that when they start talking about people of color, they, the thing that they say the most is that we can't find qualified talent. We can't find people who are qualified. But when you start looking at people who used to be soccer coaches before they get into uh, advertising, okay. there's... Well, how the hell did you know he was qualified? <laughs> exactly. He over here scoring goals and shit and, and, and rallying people up for snacks. And he, sorry, no. I'm not gonna get upset. Like no, that. but like that—that's that, the thing because when you—but it's true. The, the yeah. talent, the talent is there. Transferable like, skills are a real thing, but they right. have to be real for everybody. And therefore, this goes back to what I really wanted to hear from GM is I want—I want you guys to retain people. I want you to find them, and I want you to keep them. I need there to be a timeline on this. I don't care about well, well, we had a. a we, you know, we had a woman in the room, and and there was a black man also. Well, well, where did you find these people, and why are they here? Why, why is their voice important? Important. I'm gonna hold people of color and women and diverse people just as accountable as I will hold any white man that walks into a room when I'm in an office. I'm gonna hold you accountable because you also have to be on on your game. But here's the thing: that definition of what the game is has to be carried, you know, be carried throughout the process. So I I guess maybe for me, as we're close, we're starting to close out this year, I'm tired of talking about diversity, quite frankly. It's just, I'm so like, I'm, what did Shonda call it? I think a few of us have read or are reading the year of yes. Was it first only different? First only different. I'm tired of talking about the first only different. That doesn't make you special to be the first one, the only one or in the room because you're different. What makes you special is the fact that you're good at what you do, and you, and you've been able to help break the break the mold of like the unicorn. That unicorns for real, for real, don't exist. If they don't, if they can't exist in the if if the fairy tale unicorns can't exist, neither should the work fairy tales exist. You know what I'm talking about? Like, mm-hmm. well, like. I get really excited when I start to bring my friends around other people that I know in the industry because I want people to know, like, I'm I'm definitely not the best. There's more where I come from, mm-hmm. you know? There's more people that think like me, think differently than me, work hard, work harder than me, and that you should, if you know me, you should never have, there should never be a question of, dang, where am I going to find somebody Just like else her. like her? Because yeah. I got a whole line of people that I know that I be trying to hide from y'all sometimes so I don't need nobody trying to take my job because they probably <laughs> really are better. They probably really are better at what I do. You know what I'm saying? But like it's it's not a secret. We're not we're not elves hiding in the North Pole, you know, helping Santa at the end of the year. No, we are walking amongst you and you see us on the trains, you see us in cars, you see us in coffee shops, you see us at the club, at the bars, in the stores, everywhere. Like But in reality, they're in your inbox. That's, that's, that's just the. They're actually the, in plain sight. In they're they're in plain sight. They're in your inbox because they are applying to jobs on your website. But we all know that applying online. Don't and really sometimes, and you know what? And you know what? 
I'll even take a step back and say maybe they aren't applying. Cause I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, "Oh, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that I'll be qualified. I don't think they're gonna think I'm qualified." So, but if you're pursuing a job in advertising, you're applying. Not, not on online. Right. Online, maybe wherever those emails that go to on your, and your fill out this application online, wherever those emails go to, they're there also. Especially if you don't know. People. But. But this is why it goes back to whoever is in charge of hiring, like you needing to open up your networks. Like it's one thing for me to bring them in, but like also the people hiring, like open up your networks as well. Step out of your comfort zone as well. You need to be the popular person that sits at everybody's table, not just the cool kids table. I feel like this has like put together all our episodes of this year into one thing. It's just one more reason of the importance of diversity and inclusion. And to your you guys' point, like diversity is just the step. Mm-hmm. Like there you gotta take the next step. It's actually not even a step. It's just movement. <laughs> it's a conversation. These are numbers. This is counting which thing is different than the others. Because the re- the reality of the situation is you can have black people in the room at the table and their opinions won't make the deck. Because if you if you don't have inclusion, like if you don't have a culture that fosters or or appreciates diverse opinions, then they will be in the room, they will say things, and people will shut it down. And they will constantly be challenged and they would have to have to going back to that old adage like you need to work twice as hard, like they need to work twice as hard to prove that their point is valid if there isn't a spirit of inclusion in that company. So, we say all, I mean, I don't mean to sound redundant at this point, but do you think that having these requirements and having the client not mandate, but demand to see diversity within your own agency, do you think this is going to be a potential solve to the diversity problem in advertising industry? It's a first step. It's a step in the right direction, at least. Maybe not a step. It's it's a conversation that's becoming more specific. Mm -hmm. I'll give I'll say that totally making it more specific, which I think is great. Um, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think that is it's like we exited off the turnpike, but we're not in the neighborhood yet. You don't kinda. think you're pat in the back yet. I don't think we're there yet. No. I think like I said, this is this is the numbers conversation. So we've been here before, the numbers conversation. I wanna see the heart of it. The same way, like, as a consumer, you want to see the heart of your organization. I'll give you one thing. Like, in my inbox, um, somebody shared the the Airbnb community commitment. So we all, so we've talked about Airbnb before and how they've, you know, they've been showing their commitment to the idea of diversity and inclusion or the practice, rather, of diversity and inclusion. And to me, this is the heart. They're getting to the heart of it. Mm -hmm. So not only did they say, all right, everybody that hosts with us needs to sign this community commitment, they actually have some consequences now. This is what's going to happen if you don't do it. Oh, so this a, this actually isn't even a suggestion anymore. We're not, this isn't, you know, this isn't sweet nothing. This isn't just like a I voted sticker. No, this is, you're now committed to taking action to be a part of our culture, which is inclusive. When they say, what if I decline the commitment? 
Because there are people that will probably decline the commitment. Right. And rightfully so. If you don't believe in it, you, you should absolutely decline it. Decline it. If you're not here to host um, to host people that don't look like you, think like you, breathe like you, speak like you, then absolutely you should decline it because nobody wants a fake or a phony. But here's what, ta- what happens when you don't. If you decline the commitment, you won't be able to host or book using Airbnb. That right there is hitting people in their pockets. Yes. Hosting, yeah. hosting Airbnb, that's money in your pocket. If that's I the whole point you do this. I can't make money if I don't think like you. That's how you get them. Got him. I need to read that commitment because I feel like I was discriminated recently. Were you finally? Because remember when it came out, you were like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never but, but, here's, 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 <laughs> but here's the thing. I think there's oh, a, there's, there's, there's a, a workaround because the, the thing about Airbnb is that you can be on Airbnb and also be on other um, share sites. And so they can decline and say, well, I had somebody reserved on another share site, which is what happened when I booked it. Mm-hmm. And then Airbnb was like, oh, well. This is another topic for another day. Yeah. Well, this is what they said, and it's kind of petty, and it, it hits me where I like to be hit, right in my petty heart. It says, if you decline the commitment, you won't be able to host or book using Airbnb, and you have the, op- the option to cancel your account. That sounds like my mother just said it to me. Like, if you really don't want to do this, it's totally fine. You can cancel. <laughs> Once you cancel, future book trips will be canceled. You will still be able to browse Airbnb, but you won't be able to book any reservations or host any guests. Boom, pow, take that, but I, pow, <laughs> just like that. That to me is what I want to see more of. I want to see actions, steps, reper- repercussions, consequences, and and suggestions for for better movement. If if we are all really committed to uh, this culture of diversity and inclusion, then let's be real about it, and let's stop talking about just the numbers. And I want you to have for every three white men, you have to have. Two people that are not white men. You know, like, so the fuck what? Like, that's not important. What's important is, are there people that don't have, that aren't getting access to these opportunities because you don't think that they're fit because they don't look like whomever. You know what I'm saying? So let's segue to our solutions. I think that's, I mean... That was my solution. I know, I was like, that's pretty good. Let me, let me know what what you're really about. Let me know, like... I'm about this life. Let me know if you're for real about this life. It's real. Sin? Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's really no real way to prove the authentic. Because the, the solution that would, or the, the ideal outcome would be to see that these efforts that are put, that these uh, um, clients are putting forward are authentic. But there's, there's really no way to gauge that like it's like the only way they would know this if they're if they have somebody embedded at one of these agencies because what they really want is to have is to get work that is coming from diverse minds but the reality of the situation is if you are at one of these agencies you can work there and work on projects and what you're working on isn't really your opinion. Like, you're basically being shut down at every step of the way. I mean, we've talked about this on previous episodes where it's like, how do you actually get your voice heard at an agency that is just doing diversity for the numbers? So, I mean, there are agencies out there who that are diverse and they have diverse people and they people have been working there for years, but 
can they really say that these ideas that they're creating are their own? And that's what these clients are hoping for. They're hoping to get diverse, um, to get better work from diverse teams. But there's a good chance that they could be getting the same quality of work from diverse teams because the diverse people are there just for the faces and for the color. And they're not really there to actually create anything that is, um, that would that would better what the client is already um, getting. So I don't really know what the solution is for authenticity. Like, it's just, it's one of those things. It's, it's up to these these agencies to actually do it for real and not just do it for show. the for, for show. But and that goes to inclusion. Like that's a culture thing. Like you have to have people and managers in place that are not just uh, paper pushers when it comes to diversity. They actually have to be somebody who's actually invested in making sure that these people that that they're managing are a part of their team, that they're a part of the culture, that they're contributing to um, to the ideas and then not just work of these. I mean, authentic. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think I don't think authenticity is something that's hard to. I think it's hard to talk about. It, it and is. And that's why that's what makes authenticity like so dope. Like you can't talk about it. Right. You but have to be about it. Right. So again, what are you? What are you doing? Yeah. But to it's, make it's, it happen. It's, it's the agency. Though. When it, when you see that it's not moving forward in the way it should, how are you checking people? To me, that's where the authenticity... You can't tell me about your authenticity. You can't tell me that you're real. You can't tell me that that you're for real about this life. You have to show me. I have to see it. And I have to recognize it. In the words of the great prophet Riley from the boondocks, real recognize real grandpa and you not looking familiar. <laughs> <laughs> If you've never seen the first episode of Boondocks, please, please, please watch it. Please, please watch it. In fact, I think we just need to post that link because that show is just everything. You know, like, uh, like the, the authentic outcome would be that the people who are at the table that are the, that are not white men are contributing to these ideas. But for that to happen, the white men at the table need to be ready to receive their ideas. And that's where the authenticity gets checked. Right. Because your PR person can tell me anything, but if I don't see your culture changing, if you don't, if you can't walk, let me say, I was going to say, if you can't walk across the bridge for cheesecake, then you may not want this life. So, you know, what? <laughs> actually, a, 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 good, a good solution could be that the same way that agencies send out um, the anonymous surveys to their employees about diversity, maybe those surveys need to come from the client directly to the employees. Because that's, to me, that that would be the only way that you can gauge what exactly is happening. If you're demanding diversity, then the employees should be backing up what you're seeing. Yeah. And not fair repercussion. I agree. Well, what's yours? I mean, mine is these are all talking points to prove why diversity and inclusion is important. And I think it's ridiculous at this point, but it's necessary. 
to show why diversity and inclusion is important, why you should have it in your workplace, and to know that you are in the business of people. You're not, to your, what you said, Kai, like, we're not a factory. We're in the business of people. What we do, we have people working on our stuff, but we make things to appeal to humans, to appeal to that human truth. And it's, it's just crazy. It's like you're proving all these points. We have more points. This is another point of why we should have diversity and inclusion. And it's just like, it's beginning to sound like broken record at this point. And it's the only thing that I can think of is like, just honestly, are you thinking about, are you approaching this issue honestly? I mean, it's been a broken record. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, we, like, this, like this is, I mean, this goes back to the first episode, like, or Kai just said a couple minutes ago, like, this is a com- diversity is a conversation that's been happening for decades. With, like double all of our triple all of our ages. So like it's it's been it's been a broken record. Like civil rights, like people have been talking about Maybe that. just prove me wrong. Maybe that's a good step. Just prove me wrong. Houseway. I don't know. I don't even care how at this point. Just prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Five years from now five years from now when I look back on my time hop Am I like, and I look at the shows that we're posting, is it going to, am I going to be like, dang, that's still, I thought like that, dang, <laughs> that's still how we feel, dang, that's still how I feel, like, just for me, on. that's all, 10 years from now, my time hop, 20 years from now, I'm sure I'll still have a time hop, just for me, on. that's a good step forward, nice, so that concludes the end of our episode today, today, um, you can catch us on, we're on Twitter on Aspects Company. And yes, we are. <laughs> tweet at us. Um, and you, you can catch us on um, Instagram. It's under Moth in New York. And if you want to submit a question, comment, listener letter, or update, because we've had quite a few questions this year, um, please email us at ask, A-S-K, mixed, M-I-X-E-D, company, C-O. M P A N Y at gmail.com. Cool. All right. We'll talk to y'all later. Catch you later. Bye, y'all.